Welcome back to Geek Life, Pandamega.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. Woo-ha! Got you all in check. And with us today, we have the amazing and incredible Joe. Yo, everybody. So, today's subject is movies. Now, obviously, the big movie in theaters right now is The Avengers. And, you know, of course, we got to talk about that. I, I, I don't want to be the only podcast that doesn't, but I also <laughs> don't want to be... You know, one of the Hojillion podcasts that just that just reviews, you know, the the new Avengers movie and doesn't do anything interesting with it. So we've got some stuff up our sleeves, and hopefully that'll be you know something new, something unique, something worth listening to instead instead of just yet another Avengers review. Well, I think since we talk about enough comic books, a review of a comic book movie might actually carry some weight. Well, yeah, you know, and I think I think it's obviously something that we should be doing. I mean, it's a very awesome movie, and it definitely is in our realm. Over two hundred million opening weekend. Yeah, its numbers are wow. staggering. Yeah, completely staggering. Yeah, I'm blown away. I'm looking forward to talking about it, and I actually am really looking forward to. I'm actually really excited that we have Joe, our comic book, you know, master, Hello with again. us <laughs> because. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing his take on how things shape up in comparison to the books. Yeah. You know, uh, in comparison to, um, you know, the comic books over the years. I know there's been kind of several reboots and a lot of the time, you know, sometimes there's different intro stories and things Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, but in the end, there's still definitely a a core kind of character to each character and, Mm -hmm. and a core sort of like motivation and story. And so I'm curious to see how well they did you know, keeping in, in touch with that. But first, a little housekeeping. So, uh, really, the only thing that I have on housekeeping is that, and I haven't told anybody this yet, I've been pondering and just looking over numbers and... Uh-huh. In a, <laughs> oh, my. So, um, I have decided to adjust our launch date <laughs> again. <laughs> actually, we this is the first time we've ever actually adjusted a launch date. We were very confident that we could get out on June 1st, and that was the hope, that was the plan, but that is not looking like it will be realistic, as long as, I guess, it's not realistic to put out a, you know, ready, complete, clean product with enough back, you know, stuff behind the scenes to support a good website moving forward. It's not what I wanted to do. I really was trying hard to not make that happen, but Brian is making faces over here. (laughs) I'm terribly sad. You're terribly sad. I've got a single tear rolling down my eye. It's it's but. it's magical. It's sparkling. I wish you could be here, listeners. So yeah, that I was. Uh, uh, oh, are, are you going to cry? Do you need a break? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, you're good. Okay. Uh, obviously, that was not how I wanted things to go, and that was not. You know, I never wanted to have to move the date. I wanted to have to just say it and be done with it, hmm. and know that that was it. That's why we were always very ambiguous about the date. And we finally, you know, kind of put something down there and, you know, life gets in the way, everybody, yeah. you know, I mean, this is not my main job. This is not how any of us make all of our money. It's how we make a itty, bitty, 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 bitty of our money. Mm-hmm. So, so you'll have to wait, damn it. Yeah. So, so, you know, you know, chill out, you know, uh, so hopefully someday this can be just what we do. Hopefully we'll have Pandemega Studios and we'll all just wake up in the morning at 10 and roll into the office at 11. <laughs> <laughs> and, and write some comics and draw some comics and talk to contributors and make merch and you know that's the dream. But uh, you tease as the as things are right now, it is just it is just not the reality. So, well, web design is a lot like contracting work. There's 
going to be delays. It's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, there just always seems to be delays or in part of it. So, uh, however, I, I, I would like to put another date out there. <laughs> the, the eyes go up. So, eyebrows go up. The, the date is, and I think rather appropriately, uh, 4th of July. <laughs> I like. Because it's right. independent comic website on Independence uh, Day. Do you like that? Is that too cheesy? Unless you're not in America. In which case, it's just July 4th. America! Fuck okay. yeah! <laughs> so our, I thought our that overseas would... listeners aren't going to get it. Oh, they know what 4th of July is. Well, they don't celebrate it, but they know what it is. It's America's Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. Just for those of you who aren't clear on that, I guess. Yeah. Anyway... Well, I'm pretty confident all of our listeners right now... We do have overseas listeners. Yes, we do. Oh, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how cool. Well, anyway. So, um, yeah, 4th of July, Independence Day for us Americans. And hopefully the launch of the independent, you know, comic website, pandamanga.com, into the official light. Hopefully that will give us time to have everything polished and clean. I've been working with the Brian a lot on some back-end and you know, getting us some you know clean interfaces and nice you know database stuff so that things are clean and clear and easy to understand and navigate, and will give us a little more time to compile some content and also to work with some of our contributors that aren't kind of in our local or I guess you know in our kind of like you know close knit group of you know creative types. Um, we have some people that are sort of out of out of town or out of state, and it would be good to give them a little bit more time to get things together. Uh, so anyway, that is the housekeeping. Anything else, Brian? No, just terribly just, sad. Just, <laughs> just alligator tears over there. <laughs> so sad. Sorry. Okay, on to the Avengers review. So we all went to see it on the Midnight Show release. Uh, no, oh, I did not. The Brian is, is not cool enough to be part of that. <laughs> no, I went straight matinee. Straight matinee, That's like right. an OG. That's right. <laughs> hey, to be fair, I, I'm a big fan of the matinees. Actually, we oh, just yeah. released... Actually, this could be, you know, I guess kind of an extended part of our housekeeping, is that we just opened up a new oh, section yeah. of the website. Um, I have been hesitant to, you know, really do this, but I think it's a good thing. You know, as I say, or as I said on the blog for the reviews, which you can go to at or you can find at pandamanga.com forward slash reviews. We'll probably make a reviews.pandamanga.com in the future, but for now, pandamanga.com forward slash reviews. Uh, that's plural reviews. Uh, so we started doing the special K movie review. And as I said on the blog, my father and I, uh, you know, through my 20s and, and, and on, have always made a habit of going to a Friday morning matinee. Um, not only because we love movies, but also because we're cheap. <laughs> um, but also it's nice because it's, you know, it, oh, there's new movies. Almost nobody is ever there the first oh, show. It's oh, just, yeah. it's the best way to do it. If you, you know, are trying to, you know, kind of squeeze it in your schedule efficiently and not looking to make it a big event, but just love to go see the movies and just want to do it. So that was always a good way. I would often see the movie actually with dad and then later that night, see it again. And sometimes, if I've been promising to see the movie with somebody, I mean, I'm not going to say no to my dad, right. you know? So I had to, like, pretend I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> anyway, so Special Case was a nickname that my father, his name was Ken, had at the web design group that we worked with. He actually kind of headed up our web team 
and we all, many of the people that work on Pandemega used to work for my father uh, and his web design company. And a lot of the ways how we've drained the skills we use here and, you know, kind of the friendships that grew through that. Anyway, so uh, kind of in a tradition and in the, you know, spirit of loving movies as much as my father has and, you know, kind of as a little nod to him now that he's passed on, we will continue to review things on Fridays. I will, I, I had never stopped, especially through the time that he had just passed away. It was very cathartic and kind of helpful for me to go to the theater and just kind of be still do our routine. But now I want to, I'm, I'm not, it's not, it's like I have a tender sort of raw spot for me. It's been a couple of years now and, you know, I'm ready to share that routine with everybody. So yeah. thus the special K review. <laughs> yeah. The first one that's up is actually an audio review. Yeah, and they won't always be audio reviews. No. They, they they may not necessarily always be one thing in particular. Yeah. It's going to be kind of like whatever the fuck I feel like that day. So, <laughs> um, mostly whatever I can get out quickly. The, you know, I, I don't necessarily always have Fridays off. I do have kind of a flexible schedule with my main normal job. Uh, then it <laughs> allows me to have a morning free. So if I can watch it and then try and get it out in a timely manner before people are going to see the theater or see the movies in the theater, you know, later that night, then it'll be, you know, worth reading, you know, because yeah. we always review stuff that's been out for a week or two. And so I always yeah. think to myself in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm glad we're saying our two pieces. And we also got to figure out a way to make this worth listening to because there's already reviews out there mm. all over the place. So the Special K Review is an opportunity for Pandamanga.com to have some timely reviews. Yes. And also to kind of share a little tender side of JP, so... Yeah, the first one is a Dark Shadow, and, or Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. My bad. And it's got a really, really touching little paragraph opening that, you know, I really enjoyed. Yeah, that the, the Brian and I, when I was writing it, we were both, like, totally tearing up. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I want to give you a hug now, man. Oh, well, you know. Uh, later. Wink, wink. No. <laughs> Group hug. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess. Anyway, so moving on to moving on. the Avengers review. We, uh, Joe and I both went to see it on opening night. The original plan was for both of us to go see it together on opening yes. night. And we were going to go to the local theater, you know, like not 10, 20 minutes from our house, mm -hmm. house's and so that Someone was kind of didn't get his tickets in advance that would be me i'm the perpetual last minute person and <laughs> so uh i totally didn't get it until like literally the day of and i had to get into the the big theater that's like a half hour away there's like their second one because they filled up the 3d and the normal and the imax 3d they opened up a second normal in some like in one of their like extra theaters for us <laughs> to make it in there and it was still Damn. to the brim packed huh. yeah so that's that's how we made it in there and so you know dustin who's been on the games podcast several times myself and our roommate all went and saw it and of course, I call Joe. Hey, we're going here, and he's like, "Yeah, I already got the the ticket for you. Said we were gonna go, so <laughs> I'm just gonna fuck you guys." Say <laughs> it about twenty five minutes before you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we all went and saw it. Uh, you know, rather quickly. We're all very excited about it. Some of us mm -hmm. the midnight show, some of us not. Some of us the matinee, but probably right away, right? Yes, it was the Saturday of its release. There you go. So obviously we're all very excited about it. 
and we were all very interested and enjoyed many of the kind of pre-Avengers movies leading up to and leading into the Avengers movie. I've uh, been waiting for it for four years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ever since, which which was the first movie that Iron, dropped that? Iron Man. Man. Iron Man yeah. 1. That like little kind of hint, little, hint, nod, nod. Little cameo. Nick Wait, Fury was, wasn't it in? Nick Fury at the very end. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. Just for a moment. Mm-hmm. So... So we've been waiting for this for a long time, us being comic book geeks, and kind of hoping that it would be the you know the biggest, grandest, most awesome comic book movie ever. And let's see, well, what did we think? Let's go around. Let's go around in a in a little semicircle here. Joe, what was your impressions? Not no review yet. We'll go back around for the review. But what were your impressions? What did you think of it? All right. Well, what I've been telling everybody is that I've been waiting for this movie for four goddamn years, and it delivered. It really delivered. Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't walked out of a theater feeling satisfied <laughs> since <laughs> since the re-releases of uh, Star Wars. The original and I, three? Yeah, and I got to see, you know, A New Hope on a big screen. Right. That, you know, despite all the extra effects, but I got to see Star Wars on the big screen. This was equal to seeing Star Wars in the theater. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Brian, what were what were your thoughts? Best Hulk movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that people have been saying a lot, is that Hulk steals the show. Every single scene he's in, yeah. it's all about the Hulk. And uh, Mark Ruffalo was really great as Banner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think we were all a little bit sidetracked when we first heard that Ruffalo was going to be doing it instead of Norton, because Norton, in the previous kind of lead-in movie, was yeah. so great. I mean, it's fucking Edward Norton. I mean, yeah. the dude is an absolute genius acting. I mean, so... Yeah. Well, Ruffalo is Ruffalo a good actor. Bruce yeah. Banner. Yes. The fourth? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, technically, the first was David Banner, because back in the day, they thought Bruce was a little too effeminate of a name. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. That's like the one of the manliest names I know. I know! Like Bruce Butch. Uh... Yeah. Clint. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Bob. Sounds like Bob's a repairman to me, Bob. Mm. Sorry to all the Bobs listening. I don't think there's any yet, but there will be. <laughs> so anyway, so you like you like the Hulk? Yes. In fact, you had said that you were worried with uh, Edward Norton stepping out. I was okay with Ruffalo until Entertainment Weekly put out this like badly photoshopped cover of all the Avenger characters, and you had Mark Ruffalo basically doing this steely blue pose for his like face shot, and I'm like, wow, he looks like an arrogant douche. That's not what I think of when I think of Bruce Banner. But yeah, he was great as Banner. I think he was actually the best Banner out of the three big movies that we've had. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think he fit the comic book character the best mm-hmm. yes. but I, I, I may I may have liked the portrayal I guess of you know Edward Norton's Bruce Banner even though I mean you know obviously that's kind of like counterintuitive because he wasn't as much of a good example of the book mm-hmm. but at the same time I just thought that it, that was a I mean, it was a very interesting character I really liked that movie so yeah. and if Eric Banner is listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were they thinking? Eric Banner, Banner, it works. Let's oh, yeah. do it. 
Well, he was coming off of what was the Band Troy? of Brothers, and he was oh. really hot off of that. Uh, yeah, so. he had great in Troy too. I mean, it's not like he's a poor actor. That was just a shitty movie. It's just yeah. shite, as they say in our, you know, far off land of the UK, right? Is that what they say, shite. Shite. Yeah. shite. I say shite, and I'm here in good old America, so... America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Actually, what I heard happened with that first Hulk movie was, um, like, just before they went into post-production, they lost all of the um, the CGI, and they had to oh. redo it all. Whoa. Wow. That is brutal. That's horrible. Yeah. That's just what I heard. That, yeah. Dang. Not it must have been incredibly yeah. expensive to put out that movie. Uh, somebody got fired. Somebody, <laughs> I think a whole team of people got fired. Well, uh, I guess I'll weigh in on my impressions. I, I agree with both of you guys. The Hulk really shined bright, Brian, and it definitely was worth the wait, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think that it was really awesome. I think that it's pretty safe to say that we're kind of in the golden age of comic book movies right now. Definitely. I mean, the, you know, within the, you know, like a... a, a like a buffer of maybe 10 years surrounding us or something like that, you know, five on each side. Mm-hmm. There's been some bitchin', amazing comic book movies. Some wow. good, some, I mean, there's definitely some crap ones in there. You got Lantern, you got some of the later, you know, more recent Spider-Mans and stuff, but, yeah. you know. But then you've got Dark Knight and the Iron Man's, the Avengers. Right, Batman Begins. I mean, the whole, the whole. Oh, yeah. both Don't forget Batman's. the Nick Fury movies starring David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Really? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, we need to, this is movie night happening. <laughs> uh, but like I was saying, I do really feel like we're kind of in the golden age of comic book movies. You know, we have the technology finally to pretty much really deliver the kind of action mm-hmm. and, you know, everything. And, the you know, set pieces, effects, everything. I mean, that, that floating ship that yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. has. Holy crap, how awesome was that? You know, I mean, we finally have the effects... We finally have the technology to actually deliver what the comic book fans have been imagining in their minds since they were little kids for mm-hmm. almost a century at this point. I mean, so I really think that that we're finally seeing comic book movies come alive for real, seeing mm-hmm. definitive versions of characters in live, you know, seeing definitive yeah. Iron Man. I mean, the Iron Man movies, great, yes. you know. Anyway, so I really did think that that this one was was very excellent. It totally delivered. Yeah. It was incredibly entertaining. Incredibly entertaining, really funny, had great pacing, amazing dialogue. Uh yeah, just great banter. But, uh-huh. I'll put it this way, like it was kind of like it was kind of like the Pixar of <laughs> superhero movies, you know? Where how like, It was the Incredibles? No, 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 no. What I mean is that, that, I mean, if you watch a Pixar movie, they are so highly polished and incredibly dialed. Even the simple kid ones, there's amazing pacing, incredible comedic timing. Everything is done very well, very cinematic. It just feels like it's been polished to perfection every time I watch a Pixar film. And that's what this felt like. It felt like everything came together. There was, you know, obviously such a chance for there to be problems clashing the different universes and the different yeah. worlds that they'd already oh, yeah. spent millions of dollars and years creating, you know, and, and yeah. kind of this like very careful and gentle couple minutes at the very end of each scene, I mean, at the mm-hmm. very end of each movie, hinting that there's going to be a movie coming eventually. And I think a lot of us sat in the theaters and thought, yeah, right, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I really do think that. That it, that they were able to take that potential big hot mess and turn it into an incredibly fine polished piece of film. 
Yeah, at the end of Iron Man, when they're talking about the Avengers initiative, I'm like, holy fuck, that's ballsy. Because you're thinking, <laughs> I don't know at that point how many people they're going to have in the Avengers, because there are a million different people in the Avengers. Yeah. But you had potentially four, five, six franchises that you have to merge all their storylines into one movie. Well, and not only that, you're talking about the challenges of trying to get the different actors and their schedules that are wildly complicated, as we saw with, what was that, Camelot Camelot, a little while ago that was wildly popular, incredibly successful, and the scheduling got in the way and gone. You know, so, I mean, as far as my understanding, that and watching, what's that, Entourage? Entourage, Scheduling has got to be really, it's just a son of a bitch in that world. So to be able to get all those incredibly, you know, high profile, fantastic actors and just pulling someone like Whedon to make it all work, it's just... And not only that, you also have the fact that all these guys are stars of their own movies and they're playing the same characters that they've been in a star in. In at least one, or in Downey Jr.'s case, two movies, and, and they now have, have to take share. a step back and share and right. be supporting roles. Yeah, and I, I would say that this movie didn't really have a star, and they no, pulled that off had very a group well. Of stars, right? It, it yeah. had it had a team, like it yeah. should be. You know, yes. I think that there's maybe a temptation to have one person be the focal point. It's easier mm-hmm. for the for to I think write a script and direct something that has one character that is clearly meant to for the the audience to identify with. And it wasn't the case with this. It was clearly yeah. a bunch of different stories. They had to jump around to different places and different times, pull it all together. I mean, it's just my respect for them to be able to do that, to pull all this together and make such a fine product. I- I'm just, I'm in awe. Well, you know, yeah. when um, Ocean's Eleven came out, I uh, I watched a review with the actors and they were saying, yeah, we all dropped everything we were doing because we wanted to make this movie. You know, I think if, you know, something as big as the Avengers was going to happen, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans were going to be like, oh no, we're doing the fuck out Avengers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now here comes the really difficult part. Iron Man 3, Thor 2, Captain America 2, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. Because now you have all these worlds tied together, and then they're going to go their separate ways. And you may have like instances like, well, why doesn't he just call on Thor or Captain America to help him out? Well, you know, I think and they did. you have very... to tie those movies and the Avengers in while making its own solo movie. I think That's going to be a rough. brilliant way of tying that together in the very end where they're talking about, you know... They're all gone. I gave them a leave of absence. I think they deserved it. And this is Fury talking, you know, and and, uh, you know, his, you know, his like secondhand woman, I guess, it, you know, is saying, you know, well, what if we need them? You know, when will they come back? Then And this is, you know, you know, they'll, well, they'll come because we how need do you them. know, you know, how do you know? Right. Exactly. And so, you know, I think that they set it up for that. They're going to kind of go off and do their own thing until there's a threat that d- d- requires all there came a day yeah right now correct me if i'm wrong but this is more based off of what's known as the ultimates universe because well nick fury in that is made is like basically um what's the word i'm looking for based off of samuel l jackson Uh and then the way that the avengers or the ultimates work there if i remember right is they're just kind of a bunch of hired guns that come together when the situation arises in the right. Ultimates? Yeah. At least that's what I've heard. Not I so may be much. Wrong. Not so much? Okay. No. Uh, there's actually a joke in the Ultimates books 
when they're all hanging out and sitting around saying, well, who's going to play you in the movie? And they ask Nick Fury, and it's like, Sam Jackson. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but no, they're, they are their superheroes. Okay. Uh, they're all commissioned by S.H.I.E.L.D., much in the way that the movie takes on. Yeah. The movie mostly bases it on the Ultimates comics. Yes. As far as costumes, origins, stuff like that, it's a lot closer to the Ultimates than the And I the hear the comics. aliens, because if you've seen the trailers, it's an alien invasion movie. Um, mm. They're out of the Ultimate Universe, if I remember right. Um. You know, I don't remember if they're the exact species out of the okay. Ultimates, but there's been so many different alien invasions in the Marvel That's universe. True. The Kree, the Skrull, the Badoons, the Brood. I could go on. Yeah. Uh, but I won't. <laughs> well, the Shi'ar. I don't know. <laughs> it really could go on. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the Chitari. I couldn't say with any certainty if they were from the Ultimates, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. And, and anyways, but they're not so, fabricated for the movie. They're from the comics, no, right? I think so. Yes. And anyways, they're based on the aliens that were in the Ultimates books. Yeah. Definitely interesting. I, I was, uh-huh. you know, it, I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool to do something that's extraterrestrial because so much comic book stuff is, I mean, I guess as far as, you know, individual people's lives it does feel sort of giant in, in its size but mm-hmm. as far as like the universe is concerned it's like you know just a bitty little speck you know yeah. and it's neat to have something come along that's like oh shit this could really ruin the entire freaking universe mm-hmm. you know and then the little nod to you know who's at the at the very end is kind of like oh that guy's really a badass yeah you it's, know he's like you i know, was not expecting him right yeah yeah very cool i uh, i don't know do we want to give away who that is I mean, I know that that there's some... Well, here's the thing. I walked out of there, I kind of knew who it was. The people that I was with had no idea, so they were asking me, and I was like... The people behind me didn't know. Was that Darkseid? Yeah. That's a Superman villain. Yeah. All right, well, we'll drop. Joe, go ahead and and spoil this up a little bit. Who is that guy? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. That is Thanos of Titan. One of the just most ultimate badasses that the Marvel heroes ever face. He's taken over the universe several times. And always just kind of, once he has it, decides, meh. Well, you know, it's not necessarily control. I mean, as far as I understand, I did some research on him after the movie. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really familiar with his character. I'd seen him. I've got like, you know, Fleer Ultra, you know, comic book cards (laughs) of him and stuff. But I I don't really remember his, you know, his full story, or at least couldn't Mm -hmm. remember. And so, I mean, my understanding is his thing is never control or power is basically just trying to impress the female embodiment of death that he's in love with. Yes. You know, which, which I think was really interesting that they went out of their way to allude to that a little bit when Mm -hmm. saying, you know, fighting the humans, it would be courting death. Yeah. It's like, Oh, sneaky. And And he's like, he's like, yeah, I like, I'll court death. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, he's such a badass. I mean, all of his things that he's done, it seems to be, and all the things he's really famous for, like, you know, killing half of the entire universe with the snap mm-hmm. of his fingers using the, was it the Infinity Gauntlet? Infinity Gauntlet. Which was in uh, Thor, by the way. You know, I watched Thor the other day and I couldn't see it. It must have been there just for a moment. It was. It was in the vault. Oh, okay. It's it's in the so vault. They didn't, like, actually do, like, yeah. a slow rollover. Uh, no, uh, no. It's just, like, it's just blinking like, oh, and it's miss just it. in the background. Just, just like the uh, Captain America shield in Iron Man 1. <laughs> blink and you miss it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> 
Uh, Damn, so, I'm have to watch that again. I can't believe right? Yeah, I specifically watched it the other day, thinking like I'm going to find this, and I I didn't see it. You know, I was like, it was at a party, so I anyway. anyway uh, so yeah. Well, after the break, we're going to go ahead and give our individual reviews of the Avengers and just kind of a wrap up and general observations about the movie and predictions as to what's to come. Mm-hmm. All right, we're listening to Geek Life. Don't go anywhere. going to go ahead and give our individual reviews of the Avengers movie. Again, let's start with Joe. So what was your final review? Alright. So, final review. They took amazing actors, just brilliant characters that have been established for years, a director who has like somehow not done well in the box office ever. But he's awesome. Who is fucking amazing. Well, his, his I think, claim to fame is his ability to make groups of people work together very well against great odds. That's his thing. Yeah. That's all of the all the shows that he's done that are popular. Uh-huh. Everything that, you know, Buffy, Angel, all that sort of stuff. Fire, that, fly, if if you really house. think yeah. about it, though, popularity-wise, ratings-wise, on TV, he hasn't really been all that popular. He's just been Buffy, crazy cult popular. Yeah, he's yeah. been cult popular, but Buffy really didn't have great ratings. It just did well because it was on WB. And, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, well, it was good, but... I'm, I'm, not, I'm a not-so-closet like, Joss Whedon complete fan. I, I drooled over Firefly, and I think I cried when I heard it was taken off the air. Right. So sad. Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're making a second one. Did you hear that? Yes! Did you know that yet? So no? excited. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that, yeah, they're making a second one. Very exciting. All right, so your, your final review. So they took all these amazing elements and made an amazing movie. So amazing combination of all those aspects. If it's If there were something better than a midnight show, if I could do, like... You know, a pirated pre-release. <laughs> uh, that's what I would rate this, but I'm, I'll go with Midnight Show. Yes, solid Midnight Show. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian. Well, just a little fun story. So my sister-in-law is pregnant right now, and the baby's due at any point. She's a English professor at a very prestigious college, and she was saying she's also not a very big sci-fi fan. She was like. I really, 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 really hope that the baby doesn't come before the Avengers movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, and she was definitely, you know, she really loved it. Um, I also have to give it a midnight show. And fun factor, are we going to wait for that and go around? or? Oh, you know what? I had forgotten, you know, having the podcast so far apart sometimes, (laughs) it's challenging to remember all the little details. Mm. Um, go ahead and throw your fun factor and then we'll hit Joe again alright I'm going to give it a 99.99999% fun factor 
I don't know if there's anything that's going to beat that, but, you know, just to be on the safe side that there was something more fun, I'm just giving just a little bit of room for error. <laughs> it's just about as perfect as just you can get for a fun experience. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what was your fun factor, Joe? I'm going to give it a 99.98. <laughs> Ooh. Just because there was one cheesy line in it. That just uh, which which one palm. which one made you face palm? Um, Banner shows up for the big final fight. You want to know my secret? Uh, I'm yeah. always angry. Like, yeah. Although that was the precursor to one of the sickest moves in the whole freaking oh. movie. <laughs> yeah, he redeemed it, beating yeah. the crap out of a giant flying dragon <laughs> alien. <laughs> But yeah, it was kind of like, you, oh, really? Yeah. Although I have to say, my favorite line is, "Oh, that's what that does." <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you haven't seen that, I'm not gonna tell you where it's from, but yeah. it's just just listen to it. It's oh. So, I also like the two words that Lou Ferrigno delivered as the Hulk, because actually, yes, Lou Ferrigno was the voice of the Hulk in this mm-hmm. one. Really? And pretty much yeah. every incarnation of the Hulk, he does the voice for it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So those two lines were kind of awesome. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So, my review, Midnight Show, no problem. I I feel like so, so privileged and honored to have been able to go to the Midnight Show. Yeah. And feel like if I could go and have that experience again, I would want to do it. And feel mm-hmm. like everybody that didn't see the Midnight Show just missed out because they had to wait a couple more hours. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just fantastic. It's like, just see, I would have dro- driven to the mountain time zone to see the number. <laughs> yes. That's the midnight show. That's the midnight show. That yeah. <laughs> the, the, what was it? The, the multi-state line time zone midnight show. <laughs> it's pretty easy if you live on the border of Arizona. Ooh. Uh, skills of Arizonians. Lucky guys. Yeah, they don't do daylight savings, so. Oh. Well, the... half hour. The, yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Um, the... For, for me, fun factor, 99. 99, just amazing. I'm not going to add little points and stuff, no. but but yeah, 99, for sure. You know, I, I, I want to, you always want to leave that 100 out there for something that can top it. So I can understand and I agree with that, but dude, I can't imagine anything else in that movie having been just more excellent. You know, that, that movie just, fun factor was what it was all about, you know? And actually, that's something I kind of want to get into after this a little bit. It's a sort of dichotomy between different superhero movies and what they have to offer in this golden age of superhero movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so to wrap it up, Midnight Show, 99%. Definitely. Definitely. So a quick subject, and actually I haven't told you guys about this yet, but I, as we were talking, I figured it would be good to bring this up. This podcast full of secret announcements. It is. You, you never know what I'm going to do. Pop quiz. Yes. So... Uh, I think just real quick, I think it'd be kind of interesting to talk about this. I would say that there are kind of two different genres within really excellent, successful superhero movies. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you've got terrible movies and good movies, you know, but I'm talking about like the really good ones, right? And I would say that the Avengers, like I was just saying, fun factor wise, is the absolute zenith that we've ever seen of the fun popcorn movie, just good times not really dark, not really gritty, not none of that. Just just awesome. 
You know, just awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, maybe there's some dark parts. You got to have a bad guy you really hate. You got to have. I mean, I understand that, but but it's not. It's not like you know, rawr, character development. It's not like rawr, you got to be patient. You know, none of that. It's just like you know, gimme, 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 gimme the fun, gimme the action, gimme the 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 women, gimme the. I mean, everything. It's just it delivers on every fun. Just candy from beginning to end. That movie, I feel like, is the epitome of that. And I would say the other side of things are movies that are a little darker that delve a little more deeply into kind of the character and have kind of more twisted, perverse, bad guys and have, uh, you know, more, more interest in character development than in kind of the overall story and, and, you know, action and fun and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that of the superhero movies that we've seen in recent times that have been wildly successful, you've got things kind of like the Avengers. Mm -hmm. That's just crazy, a huge amounts of fun factor, but it's still, kind of a little fluffy if that makes sense you know it's yeah, hard it's... to really put a, put a, put a term on this and then you've yeah. got stuff like the dark knight which is so dark and so heavy mm -hmm. and but still just amazing. but still it's completely good. incredible yeah and it's it would be you know if it wasn't a superhero film then it would be a critically acclaimed oscar nominated i, I really think that film got absolutely the shaft just because it happens to be a superhero movie mm -hmm. you know the skills and the storytelling and everything that went into that movie was top top notch and totally deserved to not just be passed over because it's super, a superhero movie yeah. i think like i you know i think it's way way past time for us to for like critics and Oscars and everything to pull their heads out of their asses, yeah, get and over just the start stigma of like fantasy and sci-fi not being like film-worthy, right, films. right, or actions or comedies, yeah. not having a good supporting, you know, actor or even lead actor in them. If you're amazing, but it's like an action movie or a comedy movie that isn't an indie, quote unquote. Film well, then you're going to get passed over. I mean, yeah. I mean, this, this is sort of you know preaching to the choir. I mean, the 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 kind of obnoxious, not real fun to watch, but really well made artsy fartsy movies are always going to win that stuff. Yeah. Always, always, always. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's not the question I wanted to ask. What Even I wanted to ask: We're the ones that buy the movie tickets, right? <laughs> yeah, the... I remember just a quick side tangent on that. Bill Murray, when he won the Golden Globe, I believe, for best actor in a comedy. Uh, for Lost in Translation, he kind of threw out a little joke about that. He's like, and finally I want to address something to the best actors and actresses in the drama roles. I'm really, really sorry that you guys don't get the credit you deserve and us in the comedy roles just tend to just steamroll you in all <laughs> award shows. <laughs> Point, yeah. You got yeah. Murray, man. Um, so the, the point I was going to raise and the question I wanted to ask is, do you feel like one is better than the other style wise? You know, like I know there's a place for both and maybe it's just equally great and that could be what your kind of opinion is. But I kind of wanted to see, you know, you know, if you were to say like, OK, either, you know, the Avengers or, you know, the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Rises or whatever, you know, in theory, you know, both. Beautifully crafted, incredibly excellent movies, just squeaky clean and tight and just really well made. One is heavy, dark, dark, dark. One is heavy, dark, deep, gritty, you know, pulls on sort of the the more, you know, typically, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Um, 
you know, less popcorn fun movie and more mm-hmm. intense, more you know, harsh, cerebral, yeah. cerebral. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's more like, well, this is a really, really heavy, good story and good movie, and it happens to be a superhero movie instead of this is a superhero movie, and you can just kind of apply all of your preconceptions to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, where where do you guys stand on that? Well couple of things one it's kind of comparing apples and oranges yeah that's why we have our double scale of rating and fun factor mm-hmm. but also answer me this riddle me this riddle me that name outside of the two nolan batman movies that were really 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 good dark gritty intense uh, superhero films in this new golden age well I mean the other ones, the the other ones that are really dark and intense, maybe not were as skillfully made, you know. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about. Well, yeah, I guess I was, but you know, I could think of. I mean, th- say what you will. I thought the Spawn movie that, that came out forever ago uh, was really fun and entertaining and really fucked up and dark, yes. which was great. I also think that. But I wouldn't say two, that one was too cerebral. No, how, the first two Batman movies with um, Keaton. Were pretty, pretty corny, dark. actually. Really? Yeah. I Go back and watch them. They're pretty darn corny. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> they're no. They're not corny. The, um, the Schumacher ones. The Schumacher. Oh. <laughs> the Schumacher ones were just plain bad. The Schumacher oh ones were like God. neon Batman. Yeah. And those were breathtaking in their in their suck. And you know <laughs> I, you know I. I have to say, you know, I love those Batman movies because they really start to usher in the start of the those first couple Tim Burton ones really ushered in the start of this superhero yeah. golden age. Made and it, it also it. gave us Batman, the animated series for which I will forever That's be true. thankful to oh, Burton for. Such a good movie. But yeah, such seriously, go back and watch those first two movies or even just the number one without the nostalgia goggles on. They're not that great. <laughs> well, I'll have to do that. Well, anyway, um, you know, the, the, I'm not necessarily saying that there's, you know, I'm not trying to compare how many there are from each. Right. I'm just, and I'm not even necessarily saying what do you think is better. I'm saying what is your preference personally? Like what, like for me, the movie that I'm going to go that I need to own is going to be the cerebral dark ones. Yeah. That's the one that I'm going to want to dig in deeper, watch more times, get all the little details you know, really, you know, creates a emotional reaction to me in me instead other than just wee. <laughs> you know, that's what I think long term sticks with me. You know, that's what we have on the shelf behind me: the Batman movies. You know, not you know that I, that I purchased. You know, not mm-hmm. all of the other stuff. Even though the other stuff is great and entertaining and fun, but oh hey, on the shelf behind you got another dark cerebral one: Sin City. There you go. Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I always lean more towards escapism with my films. Mm. And one of the reasons also with what I own is because usually when I'm watching a movie, I'm doing something else while watching the movie. So having something that is deep and intense isn't as good for me because if it's something that I can have on in the background, enjoy, and still do something else while watching it, that's more useful to me. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, as far as cerebral films, I would like to see more of a balance. I think the Captain America film was actually a great balance between that cerebral, you know, personal yeah. character drama yes. and still that fun popcorn type of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So what do you think, Joe? 
Well, the manic and depressive in me wants to have both. I, I want to have the dark cerebral ones for when I just want to get into it. And I want to have the fun, exciting ones for you know when I want to be up and into it. <laughs> it I, I can't draw a distinction because it's two sides of the same coin. You yeah. know, one's the scratched up side, one's the clean side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes, you know, you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts, Mounds don't. No advertising, marketing, and slogans do not work on me whatsoever. Do so, they still make mounds? Yes, they do. It's it, dude. It's all about hundred grand. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's true. It's the way. Okay, way <laughs> getting off subject here. Well, moving forward, you know, past the, the that clearly grim divergence, <laughs> we uh, uh, we we felt like that something in the Avengers that maybe not is not getting the attention uh, and, and thought it would be kind of a unique spin on it for the Geek Life podcast would be to instead of go, well, let's talk about superheroes, let's talk about superheroes, let's talk about alien invasions. Because that's clearly what the movie is basically all about, is an alien invasion. You know, there's superheroes kind of all wrapped up in it, but alien invasions are, is, is like the main, you know, threat in that whole movie. So, mm-hmm. so Especially with Battleship. Coming soon. Uh, <laughs> Yay! The last good board from Hasbro, movie. the makers of Transformers and GI Joe. Makers yeah, they make the toys. Giant movies. All right. Yeah. Last good board game movie was uh, Clue. Clue. By last, I think you're gonna say game. only. <laughs> what about War Games? War Games wasn't a board game. Yeah, but it was a, okay. All right, that's true. That's an awesome <laughs> movie though. But yes, Clue yes, that is was off the hook. So we wanted to talk a little bit about our favorite, you know... One of our favorite. Well, one of our favorite. I mean, I guess we could kind of bring up other stuff. We were originally going to just review one movie in particular, but I'd kind of like to encourage us to not only talk about that one, but maybe throw in one of our favorites. Maybe not go crazy deep into it, because we don't want to go over Mm -hmm. on time, but, you know, just be like, hey, if you haven't heard of this one, go watch this one. So, uh, so we want to talk a little bit about some fun and really cool, and in some cases, hopefully under uh, under no or lesser known, underrated. Uh, I keep saying ah, uh, lesser known, underrated alien invasion movies. So the one that that comes to mind for me that out of all the alien invasion movies I've seen came out in two thousand eleven. It's called Attack the Block. Loosely based on a true story. Loosely based on a true story. I'll explain I, I that later. Have, I do have to hear the story um, based on a true story. Well, but I, I think that there was multiple... Uh, I think the, the original title was something like Aliens Come to the Hood or something like that. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of like snakes on a plane. It's like, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm there. You right. know, it, it, it's like Flight of the Living Dead. If you had just named that Zombies on a Plane, I would have so been there for right. that one. I don't know. The, the When I first heard that that title, that, you know, whatever the, the, the alternate title from the UK is, I thought to myself, yeah, not going to watch that. That sounds terrible. You know, that sounds like, you know, don't go shooting your mouth off and drinking your juice or whatever the hell that stupid ass movie is. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, but what, what uh, so I, I heard about this, strangely enough, through a friend of mine who is, is not a movie buddy at all, but he was saying that his son really loved this movie, thought it was really, really cool, and, like, nobody knew about it. And it had been out for a couple months by the time that I found out about this. I went, found it, and had, like, a movie night with a bunch of people, and we were just knocked off our seats. (laughs) It was freaking amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was freaking amazing. We just actually, just before the podcast, we actually sat down and watched it again just to have a quick refresher. And I got to say, I'm glad we did because yeah. it was just great. I but love that movie. Good moon. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just an excellent movie. So the, the basic story, well, you know, why don't we have somebody else talk? I'm talking a lot. Let's see. Brian, tell us the basic story. I will right after this break. You're listening to Geek Life Podcast. Please stay with us. Geek Live, Panda Manga's very own podcast. So I am going to give you the mdba, that's IMDB for those of you who actually like to pronounce things correctly, synopsis of Attack the Block, which is a 2011 film that was written and directed by Joe Cornish. So here we go. A teen gang in South London defend their block from an alien invasion. That's the oh. entire synopsis. <laughs> How easy accurate. was that? It's straight and to the point. Well, it's good. Yeah. Um, so the movie starts out with a woman named Sam who is coming home from I don't know where, but she gets mugged by a bunch of teenagers who are kind of scared in their own right of doing this mugging. And while this is going on, while they're mugging her, Something falls out of the sky and lands on a car. And they first go and they're like, hey, this car just got wrecked. Let's see if there's anything valuable in it. And out pops a little alien. And, you know, being rambunctious youth that they are, they're like, let's fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which causes a downward spiral chain of reaction. Of awesome. Of awesomeness. (laughs) Right. Namely, more aliens. More aliens and violence. So I've said, and I've told these guys before, that it's based on a true story, um, loosely. And the reason, and I told them that earlier in this day, and Joe's like, I really want to hear this. I'm like, I'm not telling you until the podcast. Uh, (laughs) We have a little saying, it's called... SFTP. SFTP. Save it for the podcast. So the reason that I say it's loosely based on a true story was the writer created it when he was actually mugged in South London where he grew up and lives. And the group of people that mugged him were just as scared as he was. And so when he realized that, he's like, hmm, that'd be kind of an interesting story. And let's throw aliens in while we're at it. (laughs) Uh, aliens uh, hey well you know if you're basing it on a true story punch up the script bro 
So what? What uh, I can remember when I first was checking this movie out, you were telling me that of like a situation that had arisen in London where there was yeah. some serious problems with you know youths acting out and being you know just basically violent criminals. Serious. Well, yeah. There's kind of a very underbelly scene with the youth. It's kind of like. How with Japan movies in the late 90s, there was a lot of talk of like youth rebellion. That's why you had movies like Battle Royale. And a lot of that stuff was going on in London. And in 2011, I believe it was, there was a big riot that went down in London and some other major cities. Initially, they kind of dubbed it the Blackberry Riots, which Blackberry wasn't very happy about. So the press stopped calling it that. But the reason that they called it that was because... A lot of youth have Blackberries because Blackberry messengers don't like take up their data plan as far as text and stuff. Right, and it's in secure. The UK, so everything is limited, right? They have yes, limited it's text, very limited. limited minutes, know, minutes, everything. Yeah, very very limited data plans, and so that doesn't eat into the data plans. And so a lot of youth were able to organize these riots that were going on, so they could plan out when, where, and how they would riot. Um, so yeah, it was a really crazy time in So in, this so so in this movie takes place during that riot which was on what? It actually doesn't take place during the riot. Oh. What it takes place on is Lord Mayor's parade and fireworks, which is a really really old uh holiday. It's the 2nd November or 2nd Saturday in November is when it takes place, which is why there's a bunch of fireworks going off and initially when this alien thing crashes into the car they're like is that a firework and they're like right it was really brilliant to do like an alien invasion at least i mean on a small scale in the middle of a fireworks show (laughs) you know i mean people totally weren't paying attention to it you know you see alien movies and you know just within a couple you know hours movie time of you know when things kind of hit the fan there's military and police Mm -hmm. and choppers and get to the chopper yeah you know and and then it, it but in this one it's just like Nobody realizes that the aliens are coming around and doing their thing, and the aliens are freaking massacring people and just going yeah. crazy. And it really only takes place in a little localized area. It's a very small invasion. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. the yes. The movie was very cool. I would say that you know what what the movie did well wasn't necessarily the plot because the plot was pretty simple, mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I mean, not 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 bad, but no. just not. You know, not like grandiose and noteworthy. Well, it wasn't Citizen Kane, right? Exactly. It was. It was really just a. It was just a nice, clean, simple premise for them to tell a really well, skillfully told story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I would say. Really, this movie has going for it is that it was skillfully told. Attack the Block isn't your big epic scale like invasion movie, like a Roland Emmerich kind of a film, or, right? Like ID Four and stuff. Yeah, ID Four, yeah. Battle Los Angeles. It's it's small scope. It happens within a neighborhood, basically. And, you know, and and because of that, it kind of slips into one of my most very favorite movie or story genres in general, which is I found I come to found come to found <laughs> which I've come to find. Is actually has its own kind of like you know name, which is called Desert Island. And hmm. yeah, right. Have you ever heard that genre before? No. Yeah, I was looking. But it, it makes up. sense, right? I was looking it up, and you know, the somebody was reviewing a particular. I think it was a zombie movie because zombie movies are freaking always desert island films. <laughs> yes. You know, basically the idea is a desert island movie is a a small group of people 
stuck in an area dealing with some kind of a threat or whether it's internal or external, like one of them is bad or like, like a, a perfect, excellent example of a desert island flick is the thing. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Either they're isolated, you know, who's who, who's good, who's bad. You know, they're dealing with this impending external thing, but it's kind of, you know, infiltrated their group and stuff. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of the time in the desert island stuff, there's sort of a like, you know, who can you trust sort of thing, which mm-hmm. this one didn't really have so much of, uh, but I, it did have that kind of claustrophobic feeling. Yeah. And I think that it allows a movie to raise the level of tension pretty high. Yes. And that works for me. I really like that a lot. So this movie, as soon as it's sorted to become less grand scale and more tight and small, and they're all mm-hmm. in this kind of like project block, yes, you know, and all these Terrible monsters are coming after them with these giant glowing teeth, which were awesome. Yes. The special effects in this movie were so simple and so clean, but at the same time, so cinematic. Yes. In fact, the people that were making it wanted to stay away from, like, your digital effects as much as possible. Now, granted, there were a few digital effects in there. Oh, sure. uh, But... One of the things that they actually found, if you're listening, George Lucas, although I hear you're not making movies anymore, but by doing practical effects instead of, hey, there's going to be a CGI monster running down this corridor towards you, it actually gave the actors much more to work with, and they were genuinely intimidated and scared by these monsters when they saw them. And so the director, Joe Cornish, was able to get a much, much better performance out of the actors. Most of whom, because this is a movie about teenage hooligans, I love using that word, they were young, and most of them hadn't been in anything before that. Mm -hmm. There was just all open auditions from schools and online and stuff like that. Yeah, he was just casting out of the blue. The acting was great in this movie. Yeah, Yeah. I I think like the only one of them that had any sort of a role before this was the main character, Moses, who had been in, like, a made-for-TV movie, and I don't know how big the part was that he had in it, but that was his only acting credit before that. Well, he was excellent in this movie. He was such a badass in this movie. Such a badass. Stoic like a stone, man. Right? Yeah, but it worked, you know? He was clearly a very complex character and a lot going on behind the scenes. It wasn't just stoic for the sake of being stoic, you know? And, And once he realized that... Everything was basically his fault. He starts breaking down. Like, there's this great sequence where, like, there are these, they're basically telling him, like, yeah, your actions have consequences. This is on you. And then you have um, these just those alien monsters come in behind him, and he just quickly turns to look at him, and he's got a single tear rolling down his eye. And, you know, that's. That's really, really cool because it's very subtle. In fact, you could almost miss it if you weren't looking carefully, if it wasn't on a big screen or whatever. Right. You can actually miss that little subtle key. Right. It was a lot of really subtle, subtle, just excellent stuff in this yes. movie. I thought it was great. I thought one of the coolest things I thought or I, I liked about the movie was the way that they did the monsters. Yes. There was this sort of intent to have them be... Darkest night, black, 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 mm-hmm. black, and and more than just oh, they have black fur, but like there was no light, yes. there was no texture, yeah. there was no nothing. Their, their fur, it was even more than just straight so black. black. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was like they were void somehow, yeah. mm-hmm. like they were absorbing the light. I mean, around they basically them in a way. looked like black silhouettes with glowing blue teeth. 
And yes. that was just completely badass. And it was really cool in the movie when you first see the monsters. And because the first one that they kill isn't the same as the rest of them. You find that out pretty quickly in the movie. Right. Uh, but your first instance of seeing them, you see kind of this silhouette. But you see these two glowing blue eyes, or at least you think they're eyes at I don't first. Think them's the two. Yeah, and one of them goes eyes. like, I don't think those are eyes. And then it opens its mouth to just have these three rows just full of like these sharp glowing fangs. Like it's neon blue teeth. Neon blue. Really, they really look cool. like they look like glow stick teeth. I mean they did. probably they were. Probably. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Uh, that was a really cool film. Yeah, you know, I you know, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say about it other than it's totally worth your time. Go oh, check yeah. it out; it's out, it's available. It, yeah. it does also have a great microcosm about like you know, what urban culture and right. mm-hmm. and that sort of a thing. There's a lot of this whole, well, we have to protect our own because who's going to do that? And yeah, every time yeah. they always the police you know, are just going to arrest yeah, us. The police are just going this. to arrest us if there's they're going to come around at all. There's a great scene where one of the one of the the girl who originally was mugged ends up getting kind of swept up into this because she actually lives in the block well, with the guys, yes. and you know she she goes to call the police and they pull the car, you know, pull the pull the phone out of her hand, take the batteries out, and say, "No, we're on the block. We deal with our own problems." Yeah. You know, and then, 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 like, one of the kids looks at her and says, you'd be better off calling the Ghostbusters, sister. Yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of like, oh, that's, I mean, because that's completely different. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like just some suburban white kid, you know. I'm thinking, I'm called cops. That's what you do when there's terrible stuff happening, you know. Yeah. There's also another great scene where the guy's trying to apologize to her. He's like, I didn't know you lived on the block. Which, the block, by the way, is this giant, like apartment complex thing like a project and, sort of thing. yeah it's a project a residential block I think yes and so he's like if i knew you lived down the block i would have never mugged you right, and she's like one of us yeah because you're one of us and she's like oh but it's fine to mug somebody else like she didn't really get what he was saying and he didn't get what she was saying like the two were kind of speaking almost a different language in a way because of their difference in culture right and for me I was somebody who, you know, worked at a church that's in an urban area and a somewhat dangerous area of the town. Um, not you the most dangerous. You definitely had opportunity to meet some seriously interesting characters. Definitely had some opportunities to. And so I actually understood both points. In fact, there was a time that a person actually came down from where he was living to because the my roommate was the youth minister at the time and we were there early we didn't have the key to the place so we were just in the parking lot waiting for the pastor to show up and so this guy just comes down out of this house across the street and he's like hey just want to know what are you guys doing here and we introduced ourselves we he explained that he's a new youth minister at here we're waiting for the pastor he's like oh okay you know greeted us um you know he's like i just wanted to make sure because this house next door to you the parking lot here has this elderly lady she can't really help herself too much so we kind of watch over her make sure that nobody tries anything against her and this guy also when one of our properties was vandalized gave us video footage of the people who did it <laughs> this guy, by the way, is a drug dealer, a, a hardcore drug dealer. Wow, really? Yes. So, you know, he was there protecting his neighborhood uh, 
And here he is, a drug dealer, helping us, who is a church, and helping an elderly lady because, hey, this is his area. you got to look out for your yeah, each you look other. Out for your own. And so, but also being a white suburban kid who grew up in middle suburbia in a place that likes to think of itself as an upper elite kind of a town in Napa, I also understood her point of like, well, why does the point of me living on your same block uh, actually matter. Yes, she's very kind of an idealistic perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, definitely worth your time. Check it out. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the five prequel slash lead-in slash tied-in uh, Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. So we're talking Iron Man, Iron Man 2, The Hulk, Captain the America. The Incredible Hulk, by the way. What? The Hulk yeah. is the Ang Lee movie. Oh, the Hulk. Incredible Hulk. This was Incredible Hulk? Yes. Okay, The Incredible Hulk, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what was the last one? Thor. Thor and Captain America. Thor and Captain America. Good old Cap. Mm -hmm. So we will will try and... uh, We were originally going to try and just do a complete, you know, everybody... You know, we come together and give the the official geek life, you know, countdown. This is the best one. This is the second best one. No, no, no. And but we are not the Avengers. We can't come together. This is true. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to give our individuals. So after the break, look forward to that. You're listening to geek life. We'll see you in a minute. Manga podcast. We're back. <laughs> so we're back talking about the prequels to the Avengers. Uh, I'm sure everyone remembers. Started with Iron Man in 2008. This is chronologically. 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 Uh, the Incredible Hulk. A few months later, Iron Man two in 2010. Thor and Captain America, both in 2011. Which one was first Captain, right? Uh, Thor. No, Thor. No, Thor. Yeah. Thor had a May release and Captain had a July, I believe. Oh, yeah. So yeah, just banged they did out. Uh, Thor around yeah. Free Comic Book Day and Captain America around Fourth of July. Nice. Well planned. Well played. <laughs> yes. Well played. So I think what we're going to do is, and we'll have JP start, is put those movies in your order of favorite to least favorite and give us a brief explanation why. All right. I'm going to go the other way, though. I'm going to go least favorite to favorite. Because I'm, I'm going to keep you guessing. <laughs> Although by number two, you're going to know what number one is. Anyway. <laughs> so, let's see. Least favorite? That's probably pretty easy. Iron Man 2. It just didn't resonate with me. I didn't like it as much. You know, it felt like... Uh, there's something really powerful about the origin story. You know? And I'm not necessarily saying that it was a bad movie, but the story they had to tell wasn't as riveting, you know? I mean, it's just that easy. 
Also, I think that the kind of big sequence at the end seems sort of like over the top and large scale and crazy. And I've already said that I, I tend to like the smaller, more intimate sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big sequence that they had in Iron Man 1, or I guess just Iron Man, was when he went, or I would say the big kind of complicated sequence, not the one-on-one battle, was when he went back back east, I mean back, you know, to the Middle East and fought the guys that held him in captivity. And it was so emotionally in, intense and charged Mm-hmm. That I just, I, it was more interesting to me than this one where it's like, you know, some guy who he doesn't really know who the hell he is comes mm-hmm. out of the woodwork and hates him for some well, it's reason. Killer robots. He's, right. It's just kind of like, okay, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, it really felt like with a uh, total phone in performance by Rourke, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. felt like Mickey Rourke was underwhelmed, I mean, underwhelming and underused. He's a very fine actor. You know, if you're, if you're wondering whether or not he's a fine actor and whether I'm full of shit. A good recent one that just came out a little while ago, The Wrestler. Go watch The Wrestler and tell me that he's not a good actor. <laughs> yeah, actually, in The Expendables, which he has a smaller role in and is a much inferior film, he is brilliant in that. Yeah, he's great in that. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know about Sin City, man. He, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Sin I mean, City was, that. yeah, for sure. Yeah, his return, yeah. basically. But, so yeah, the, the Iron Man 2, not my favorite. Not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And number four is Thor. Really? Yes. Wow. Really. Yeah. You know, I I had to, to ponder this quite a bit, and I I'm gonna go with Thor as my number four pick. Now, obviously, first I should say that all five of these movies I thought were really entertaining, and I watch and own several of. So, it, in no way is fourth or fifth place terrible. It's just counting down to like complete awesome. So, you know, but so if I were to have to put them in a in a order. Definitely, Thor would be fourth. Um, and it's not that I didn't like Thor. I actually really liked Thor. I actually really like kind of the characters in Thor, the mythos in Thor. Thor is like one of my favorites, mm. um, like, like comic book story-wise. What I felt like the misstep in this, in this movie was that Thor's whole thing was that he was cast out to kind of learn a lesson. You mm. know, that he was... Meant to to because of his, his humility, find his humility because of his hubris. He was he had his power taken away. I mean, in this movie in particular, he had his power taken away. You know all that sort of stuff. And he was supposed to go through a character development journey. And when they first proposed that, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." You know, I love character development. I think that if they spend eighty percent of the movie developing the character and twenty percent of the movie having some big epic battle at the end, I'm happier for it because I care about the people in the battle. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't just think they're cool and they have a neat outfit and they fight cool and there's special effects and explosions and stuff, you know? So I resonate a lot more with, you know, actual character development. So and I felt like this one, they they he like came down, you know, was arrogant as all get out anyway went to try and get his hammer and then couldn't get it. And then Loki comes down and lies to him. And then he's like, Oh, now I'm an awesome guy. Now, now I've learned my lesson in, you know, two days. I've learned the lesson that, you know, Odin Allfather sent me down here, went through all the trouble of zipping me through the Bifrost and taking away all my power and potentially letting me actually die. Just, to have two days and a quick revelation and fall in love with Natalie Portman. It's like, come the fuck on. You know I mean? It just, it felt like the character development was short, short changed. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the story was great. The characters were great. I liked the actors. I think, uh, I think 
everything was really well made. I just wish they had spent maybe an extra 20 minutes or, you know, something on of the movie on his actual, like, no longer being an arrogant douchebag, you know, and, like, actually getting to that place instead of it just being like, bang, snap your fingers, and now he's a great guy. I've got a counterpoint to that when I get to my list. Okay, fine. And number three would definitely be Iron Man. Hmm. Iron Man is really awesome. It's a great movie and super-duper entertaining. Um, and But, ag- ag- again, like what I'm drawn to is characters that I can like and relate to and feel like they really grow and change and stuff. And I'll say the only character that does any growing in the movie is maybe Pepper. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a, it's a really great origin story, but it's also a story of a incredibly gifted douchebag. Really, you know, and you know, he doesn't even really learn anything by the end of the movie. Granted, it's well, hardly the end of his story, but yeah. he doesn't come out, you know what I mean, like yeah, well, it's kind of like in the Avengers. What, do, what, like when Captain America, and he's like, "Oh, big tough guy, outside take of your, your metal, take your suit away." What yeah, are you? What are you? It's like, it's like a, a millionaire, a genius playboy. billionaire, playboy philanthropist. Which you know, you're gonna be a bit arrogant when you kind of. Oh sure, oh things. sure, absolutely. You know, but lest I bring up Bruce Wayne, who's also all <laughs> that and not a dickhead. Well, but there's always the question of Bruce Wayne is he plays a dickhead? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, when he, he plays, when he pretends a, to be Bruce Wayne. He's mm-hmm. he's he's a playboy, yeah. you know. And you know, there's always the question with him: Is Bruce Wayne the mask, or is Batman the mask? Well, Bruce Wayne's the mask. Exactly. I, I heartily believe that. Anyway, I think that Thor, that that Iron Man is constant douchebag. <laughs> anyway. Uh, total again, again. I love all these movies, but you know, ranking them definitely there. Then uh, number two is drum roll, Captain America. Wow, <laughs> this is not what you were expecting, is it? No, I am glad we did not have one concise. Yeah, this, this is why we couldn't have one concise. So I, th- I thought Captain America was one of the better ones, and you know, I know that a lot of people probably disagree with me. I think a lot of people think that that was the most sort of lackluster, thrown together, kind of lame one. I've heard people say things such as this, and I feel like. Captain America is one of the favorites of mine because he his 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 real like core human being is that he's a really really good humble guy. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's like to be weak and underpowered and have situations that are outside of his control that he feels powerfully compelled to make some kind of a positive effect on and just yeah. can't. You know, and then when he's given that power, he he comes into it with, you know, grace. Yes. And I just, I like his character. I also feel that the development that they had through his group of friends, one of which whom dies, and then the romantic relationship between him and what was her name? Uh, Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. Yeah. Peggy Carter was, I would say, one of the most endearing and believable mm-hmm. romances that I've seen in comic book movies ever. Even mm-hmm. though they basically never slept together they never really dated they never really i don't even even kiss one time i mean oh yeah when he's about to jump on the uh the super jet yeah right when he's and then like tommy lee jones like what are you waiting for i'm not gonna kiss you (laughs) (laughs) so i mean there there was very little sort of you know actual time for them to actually have a real relationship but it seemed like kind of one of the most painfully heartfelt Mm -hmm. real relationships that they've had you know i cared more and was more like 
Oh, yeah, that that weird that that line where he's yeah, like, "I'm late date. for a date." Yeah, you know? yeah, it's just <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> yeah, you know. But I just I really thought that it, that one that one really struck a chord for me. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't the most fantastical spec, spec, uh, spectacle, mm-hmm. but was definitely something that I could relate to and really liked and just enjoyed the character. And then obviously, number one is the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. Hulk smash. Hulk smash, yes. Number one for me is the Incredible Hulk. And I pretty much love anything that Edward Norton does. I think he's one of (laughs) the absolute top-notch actors of kind of my generation of, you know, moviegoers. And time and time again, he proves that opinion of mine correct. Every time he steps into a role, he knocks it out of the park. I haven't seen him in anything that I've been like, man, that was kind of weak. Ed, you know, come on, Ed, pick it up. Never felt like that. Uh, I really, really liked the, you know, instead of it all taking place or even beginning in the States, I liked that it started in Rio de Janeiro. I liked that he was kind of dipping into another culture, hiding. It mm-hmm. gave it a very exotic, unique, interesting feel. It wasn't just like, Big monsters fighting in a big American city, like it always freaking is. Mm-hmm. You know, for it to be something like that where it's really different and really unique, and there's like culture and and the the kind of verticality of the little sh- the little shanty town type stuff that they have out there allowed for really interesting action sequences. And you know, Bruce B- Bruce, you know, being such a intelligent, brilliant guy, dipping into you know the things that that culture has to offer. You know, learning from the the was it a martial arts guy or what was that guy that he was learning oh, yeah, to I breathe believe from? So, yes. Yeah, martial arts. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. Learning I just thought the language that, from cartoons. Yeah. Say what? He was learning the language from cartoons. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I just thought that that was a really neat way to do things. And you know, of course, yes, of course, it comes full circle, and they're back in a big American skyscraper city, blowing shit up and having a battle, which is g- good popcorn eating fun. But I really enjoyed and cared more about the big green angry guy after I had seen kind of the other side of him hiding out and trying to make a life in a situation that he feels miserable about, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. I, I thought that that was easily my favorite of all of them. Hmm. Well, very different. <laughs> very different. Well, Joe, you're up next. Choose whether you want to go worst to first or first to worst. I'll go top to bottom. Okay. I like it on top. Fair enough. <laughs> it's lonely at the top, but it's always nice to look down at the people beneath you and laugh at them. Exactly. Well, Which is why, about I'm, this. why I'm starting with Thor. <laughs> Thor, my favorite. You know, I've got the Mjolnir tattoo on my arm. Yeah. <laughs> so the Thor has been, you know, big medicine for me long time. You know, Kenneth Branagh directed a Shakespearean actor who's... Worked in these really epic sort of films, trying to bring that to a superhero movie, I thought worked really well with Thor. You know, you say he didn't have a lot of time to make that, you know, grand change from arrogant asshole to, you know, pleasant human being. Well, he gets told that his father is dead so that he is exiled from his home forever. And that no one's going to come and visit him. He is basically alone in the universe after being one of the most powerful people there is. He's completely crushed. And 
when he goes back to the little town with Natalie Portman. And come on, who can't fall in love with Natalie Portman? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you know, he finds that, well, huh, these, these people are actually kind of nice. But, oh, okay, I'll, I'll be nice too. <laughs> <laughs> it's humbling. You know, he, he's gone from, you know, top of the world to, you know, bottom of the other world. Right. So I, I thought it I thought it came around really well. Uh number two, gonna go with uh, first Iron Man. So he learns that with his time in captivity, his being a war profiteer is you know, it's bad. So he decides to change his whole outlook on his business. You know, sure he's still a dick about it, but you know, he's yeah, he's taken the gradual steps, gone from arrogant douchebag to arrogant douchebag with a conscience. And right, he, he like initially it seems like he doesn't really care where the money comes from. He's just going to be playing with his toys and being rich and inventing yeah. stuff, and yeah. doesn't really care that they're kind of double dealing under the table. When you know that that his company is being it. evil. Yeah, he was ignorant to it, and he didn't care. Yeah, you know, couldn't have mattered less. Uh, number three, Iron Man 2. Yeah, the villain was kind of phoned in, but it was a good popcorn shoveling in your mouth movie. Right. It was lots of fun. I think the fun factor really outweighed how much like content the story was kind of not lacking, but not not really fleshing out. Right. Uh, four, going to be Incredible Hulk. You know, while I really like Ed Norton, I I actually think Mark Ruffalo did a much better job. Yeah, he was a much better Hulk. Mm -hmm. And I really like Tim Roth. He's one of my favorite bad guys in, like, everything he does. I don't know if it's just the accent or whether he is just, you know, naturally made to be a bad guy. (laughs) He's excellent at it. Yeah, him coming in as the abomination I thought was so much fun. But again, yeah, just big monsters smashing a city. That's what worries me with the Hulk. Hulk 2 Electric Boogaloo? (laughs) Yeah, the... The Incredible Hulk 2 Electric Boogaloo? My bad. bad. The, The Incredible Hulk franchise... Is that because Ruffalo signed up for what six more movies yeah. that he plays Incredible Hulk or reprises yeah. his roles? I mean, some of those are going to have to be Hulk movies. Yeah, well, obviously. Fun random fact: Mark Ruffalo is the first guy to play both the Hulk and Bruce Banner in the same movie. This is true. He was the mocap for it. Yes, really. Well, yeah. yeah. Apparently, him and Joss Whedon like spent a weekend wrestling just so he could figure out the uh, the moves that the Hulk would be using. Nice. nice. Uh, kind of weird, but hey. hey whatever works for it, whatever your process is, the movie kicked ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just going to be finding more ways to have two giant monsters beat the crap out of each other and knock shit down. Mm-hmm. Because the Hulk is essentially invincible, right? Pretty much. I mean, unless you like, you know, put him in space and, you know, make him run out of air or something. No, he comes back from that several times, too. Holy crap, really? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, he the Hulk is so tough that he learns how to breathe vacuum. 
Yeah, he's somebody right now. The Thor's hammer, I believe, he picked it up because he got so angry that he could actually lift it because the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. So he kept trying and trying and eventually just lifted it out of sheer strength. Uh, In the comic books, doesn't Hulk become like in Hulk form eventually like sentient and calm? Uh, Not so much calm, but definitely. He, Dude, I remember a comic where Hulk, he, Hulk, he, Hulk, and She-Hulk were, like, in the mall shopping. Oh, yeah. He's I, mad, but just not real mad. Yeah. At some point, him and Banner actually combine into one. Oh. Yeah. And he's just constantly the Hulk size. Mm-hmm. But, oh, God, the Hulk changes so often. Right now, uh, he managed to separate himself from Banner. So there is a Hulk and a Banner. And they're pissed at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the Gee, thing. I wonder why. <laughs> right. uh, but f- fifth on my list, Captain America. Not because it was like poorly put together like a lot of people were seeing. I thought it was actually really well put together. I didn't get into it because I saw it in 2D. Mm. And it looks like it was really... They really made it to accentuate a lot of the 3D. Like, there was a lot of slow-mo, oh, I'm throwing the shield at the screen, or oh, I'm jumping in the air, and there's an explosion. Like, Which, you know. actually, it was one of those post-production turned into a 3D movies. Yeah. So, yeah, and the post-production was really well done. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but it was a 2D movie that was turned into That's a 3D true. That movie. That could be a big element. Yeah, but it looked like it was... Like it was really trying to... Push a lot of these like epic scene. Look at me, <laughs> and uh, that that always bugs me. Like you could do so much with a story, but really you're gonna spend like thirty seconds on one picture of him jumping through the air. You, you could have done so much more with that. Yeah, time. True, that's true. And it, they cut it short too. The oh, movie yeah. was dramatically shorter than. Yeah, it was like I just getting to. going, and it's like oh, done. Yeah. But yeah, oh Hugo Weaving, right? Oh man, excellent Red Skull. Yeah, so if they do a Masters of Evil in one of the further down Avengers movies, Hugo Weaving, Tim Roth, <laughs> uh, Tom Hiddleston, they're gonna have some really great villains, right? Like they're gonna be harder, I think, to rein in the star power than it is to rein in the superheroes. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, the Brian. What do you got? All right, so I'm gonna go the JP method and go worst to first. So coming what? in at number, yeah, coming in at number five in DFL, dead freaking last is the Incredible Hulk. Oh, cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, like JP, I think all these movies are great. Oh yeah, I but every single one. You know, I wasn't really happy with. Louis Leterrier's direction of the movie, it felt kind of just awkward and the pacing was just inconsistent to me. I also, you know, Ed Norton was good. Tim Roth was better, but the movie was kind of average at best for me. There were a couple of things that I thought were just really awesome where they kind of showed in a different way instead of just 
I get angry and a beast comes out, kind of like, you know, your teenage rage power fantasy kind of a thing. It's based off of blood pressure, which makes perfect sense. When I go flying off the handle angry, my blood pressure spikes. So having the blood pressure spike was actually a brilliant move, just scientifically, as to why he changes. Um, Another thing that I thought was brilliant with that was the opening. They do the entire origin in like a two-minute like montage opening. And then having him in Rio de Janeiro is kind of a bit of an homage to the Ang Lee Hulk because that's where he ends up at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, I just thought it was just kind of a sequel. Yeah. In in some ways you could almost say that, but I I felt like it was just eh, as a movie Um, coming in at number four is Iron Man two. I've already said in this podcast that I love escapism um, and it was a lot of fun, but it was all over the place story wise. And it had, like, they were doing rewrites to it all the way to the end of post-production. And also, another thing was, besides the mailed-in performance by Mickey Rourke, is I feel that the Marvel movies have this sort of a thing where there's this big action set piece at the end, followed by a fairly anticlimactic, boop, there it is, it's over, kind of an ending battle with a boss. And this was the biggest kind of, you know, culprit or, you know, yeah. it was the biggest example of that. It's mm-hmm. like we have this big battle with hundreds of ro- or dozens of robots. And then you have this fight with the main bad guy, Whiplash or Backlash, I believe he is in this. And it's like, oh, we're going to get our asses kicked for about a minute and then we're going to cross the streams. And hey, um, cross the it's creepy. Um, Don't cross the street. <laughs> well, in this case, it worked. Well, so it did in Ghostbusters, but that's another story. Um, coming in at number three is Thor. I really enjoyed Thor. I thought it was a well-paced, well-directed, well-acted movie. I mean, Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth just came out of nowhere. I mean... I never heard of Hiddleston before, and I think I knew Hemsworth because he played James Kirk's dad for like two minutes oh, in the right. Star Trek movie. Yeah. And it's like, wow, these guys are good. Yeah. And to JP's point of, you know, he was only down there for two days. And like Joe's point, you know, when you have stubborn sorts of tendencies and mindsets, it really takes seeing something that you've seriously lost to really fully grasp that you need to change. Same with having sort of a problem. You have to hit rock bottom before you can change. And he's sitting there in a prison and he's told his father, who he loves more than anyone, is dead. He will never be a god again. He is going to be immortal. He is never going to see his friends again. It's his whole world up to that point, is now gone. He's lost everything. And that was the breaking point for him. And so when you have something like that, okay, I can feel that the romance story is a bit rushed. You know, two days fall madly in love. Yeah, but it's Natalie (laughs) Porter. I would have gone for Kat Denning. That's just me. Um, She was more sarcastic. Yeah. Um, Probably loves the sarcastic ones. I do. Uh, And I like Kat Denning. Uh, But yeah, so number three is Thor. 
Number two is actually Captain America, the first Avenger, which obviously means Iron Man is number one. And I'm going to say this right now. Captain America is, in my mind, a far superior film to Iron Man. And I loved what they did with Bucky, where he's the kid sidekick. He's his Robin, basically. (laughs) And they made him into his childhood buddy. Brilliant move. Um, I thought it was just a well-acted, well-paced, great story. It had, like I was saying, the great example of like a merger between your fun popcorn flick and your great character piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a solid period piece as well. Uh, like I said, it's the superior movie to Iron Man, but I have to rank Iron Man at the top of the list because we didn't know what to expect when Iron Man came out. It was the first of the actual Marvel Studio movies, and it did not disappoint. Also on top of that, it set the kind of formula that all the Marvel movies have kind of followed since then as far as their... kind of feel. Their feel, Mm -hmm. exactly. Their feel, their world, the, the, the way that the story structures are set up. All of that is basically from Iron Man. And so I have to say it's my more favorite because... A, it's escapism, and B, it really set the precedence and tone of every film to come after that. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Apt point, sir. Well, after the break, we will wrap up and send you on your way, hopefully with some suggestions of some interesting and maybe little-known alien invasion movies for you to go get from your local DVD rental store well, or stream, because let's be honest, who the hell rents videos anymore, except for, like, Redbox? Hey, there's Blockbusters. Yeah, there is Blockbusters. Barely. Barely, yeah. Barely. I didn't even realize they were still open until not too long ago. You're listening to Geek Life. Don't go anywhere. podcast we're going to try and throw out a couple of good alien invasion movies that perhaps you haven't heard of or maybe haven't seen in a long time that are worth a watch so joe give us give us your give us your pick all right anyone who is of tv watching age in the 80s has hopefully seen this and if you haven't do so right now they live yeah yeah rowdy rowdy piper Puts on the sunglasses, the special sunglasses that let him see who is an alien. And also the subliminal messages. And the subliminal messages that they're using to brainwash everybody. And he is there to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And he's all out of bubblegum. Bubble <laughs> One of the greatest lines in the history of all of cinema. You know, the Brian and I were talking about this movie a little while ago, not because it was alien invasion or anything to do with an alien invasion theme, but just because it had the best freaking one-liners ever. <laughs> 
I have actually really never seen this movie, even since you told me about it the other day, Ryan. And I, I, I know that I'm pretty confident they have it on Netflix instant oh, yeah. to instant download, streaming, whatever you want to call it, um, at the at the time of this recording. So I will have to watch do it. That. I'll watch it. Okay. Okay, deal. <laughs> Brian, what's yours? All right. Um I don't know if it's still on Netflix streaming, but when I watched it, what was on instant on Netflix is Skyline. Uh, it's made by the people that did the second Alien vs. Predator movie. I wouldn't say it's a good film, but I really enjoyed it because it has a really great sense of tension and claustrophobia. And you really feel like you're with the characters because... Nobody knows what's going on, why these things are happening, why the aliens are evading, what they're after. I just felt that it's really, really smart the way that it's done. And like I said, it's not a great film, but it's a very, very intense film. What do you got for us, JP? So I have something that I found on, again, Netflix Instant Q, which is, or Netflix Instant Download, which is, I just kind of peruse when I'm having insomnia, which happens periodically. And... I saw this, the cover for this and thought, oh, that looks interesting, and watched it and was just blown away. I, I, I was expecting to watch a little bit of it and just fall asleep, and what ended up happening is I stayed up the whole evening finishing this movie and was glad that I did, and then sorry that I did later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie is Monsters. It came out Very in 2010. Uh, the IMDb is, after six years, they're no longer aliens, they're residents. It's really brilliant. It it's again two subjects that I've always and many times in the podcast even mentioned that I really think are interesting to investigate is after the initial event, whatever the catalyst happens to be to start the story or start kind of like the the odd divergence of things based outside of our like normal routine. Mm-hmm. Way the fuck after that. That's way more interesting to me because it thinks that I I think that often that is the most well investigated and played out and made story, you know, comic books, movies, radio shows, whatever you want to call it. It's always about, for some reason, you know, like, the oh event. shit, zombies, or holy crap, there's aliens right now, or, you know, oh no, it's the apocalypse, or something like that. You know, it's always like kind of like bang right after. Mm. And this one is, like I said, after six years. And so essentially, what ended up happening is, uh, aliens have kind of settled into the northern border of Mexico um, and, the, and the United States. And there's basically this kind of no man's land where they have kind of taken over. You know, their spores are in the trees. There's monsters in the lakes. You know, they're, they're, and they're not, they're like, it, it's less like, you know, an alien invasion and more just like, just like the aliens living there and just kind of changing a section of our planet into their ecosystem and their world with, you know, all of the flora and fauna of their space, not necessarily always aggressive in some cases, certainly aggressive, Yes, but really neat take on it. And what ends up happening is that there are, uh, there's a, a photojournalist and then a journalist uh, down in Mexico when there's some kind of big event and things kind of get really crazy and, you know, what you later find is that they've started to break into the states, you know, into the lower states. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through this massive wall that they've created. Um, and so they basically have to get back up 
and everybody's kind of evacuating the area that they're in because they're kind of making the aliens are making this move to kind of expand. But again, it's really more like just animals than like sentient biped humanoid aliens right. with laser guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really powerful because I would say a lot of the movie, you don't actually see a whole heck of a lot of the aliens. No, you don't. And there's this sort of just impending dread all the time. And there's a lot of whoop de doo guess what, character development between <laughs> these two characters that I found really engaging. And in the, in, in the end, there's this sort of very tasteful nod to Lovecraftian lore, or these two kind of like, you know, amorphous pod things with tendrils and glowy business kind of float out and make these like whale noises at each other and you know their tendrils intertwine and they communicate or something and it's really in no way creepy or horrible and almost kind of majestic and they both are kind of in the presence of this and they watch this and then they just kind of walk away and then you know they get picked up by the military and bang the movie's over yeah you know and so it really takes place over the course of like a day or two in the story of yeah. the world. It's and cool because they were supposed to get on a boat to go back to America, and I think it was tickets got stolen? Tickets or got, no, tickets got... Uh, they bought tickets, and then the tickets got raised in price oh, again. Yeah. And basically they got the shaft. And what ended up happening is they basically had to pay even more to to have somebody take them through the alien territory up to the U.S. border. Huh. You know, and when they get into like the lower states of the U.S., the first like couple, you know, like the first like half day of trekking through, looked like you know a tornado hit, and there's like dead alien, massive alien body tendril things like laying and rotting on the top of these crushed buildings and stuff. It's really has this sort of, you know, just the majesty of ruined, you know, landscape is just powerful. You know, if you've ever lo- looked into the uh, genre of photography called Detroit ruin porn which I would really recommend. It's kind of an odd name, I know, but it's Detroit Ruin Porn. Um, and it's it's basically kind of an investigation, a photographic investigation into the old industrial buildings mm-hmm. that have been abandoned for a long time and haven't really seen, have seen very little or no human interaction in a long time and kind of get this, you get this look at what it would be like if people hadn't touched something for 20, 30 years or more. And it's just these dilapidated buildings and these these incredible architecture that they had in Detroit at the time. They're just totally neglected. And it's really powerful. And there's this kind of that sense of that kind of like, whoa, you know. So anyway, loved it. Very cool. Check it out. And one that we can all agree on to throw out at the final one. If you haven't seen it, watch it now. Just wait. We'll wait. And, you know, you can thank us when we're done after you pause right here. District 9. Yeah, District 9 is great. I think that that one had a lot of critical acclaim, and so we didn't individually choose that one. But right. yeah. if you haven't seen that, for somehow, go watch that movie. Yes. So, great. <laughs> oh, we'll loan you a coffee. Yeah. Joe just raised his hand. Movie night. That's on Instant Cue. This my Instant Cue is so full. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you for being with us for this edition of Geek Life, Pandavanga's very own podcast, Movie Edition. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit pandamanga.com for all your indie comic needs. If you have questions or comments on today's show, please visit our forums at forum.pandamanga.com.
anyone interested in becoming a contributor with Pandamanga, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. This is Joe, and we'll see you next time. And he is there to kick ass and chew bubblegum. He's all out of bubblegum. Bubble <laughs>